2: Serious allergic reactions may occur. Tremphaya may increase your risk of infections and lower your ability to fight them. Before treatment, your doctor should check you for infections and tuberculosis. Tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms of infection, including fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough. Tell your doctor if you had a vaccine or plan to.
1: Emerge as you. Learn more about tremphia including important safety information, at Tremphaya.com or call 1-877-578-3527. See our ad in Food & Wine magazine for patient's
3: So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to keepitfunohio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.
4: This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts so multitask right now get your quote now at progressive.com progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates national average 12-month savings of 744 dollars by new customers surveyed who saved with progressive between june 2022 and may 2023 potential savings will vary discounts not available in all states and situations
3: third and 11 inside the charger 25 shotgun
2: snap right tackle block Pocket throws as he is hit. A blow is intercepted on a dive. Stefan Gilmore got it and seals a Dallas win with a diving interception.
4: That was the moment from Stefan Gilmore, who popped an artery somewhere in his leg during the course of the game last night, but was able to keep playing, getting the game-winning. Interception for the Dallas Cowboys. How about them, Cowboys? Erasing the horrible taste of the Sunday night loss. And loss does not really put into words what happened to the Cowboys against the 49ers. But the Eagles lost. The 49ers lost. The Cowboys win. How about them, Cowboys? Miles was there in the press box hearing the Spanish-language call. From the Cowboys radio crew in the press box. How are you doing today, Miles?
0: Well, uh, good morning, Mike. Yeah, I, I've covered, you know, over the last 10 years, let's say a hundred and fifty games in a press box, and I have never experienced anything like that in my life. That was bizarre. It was weird. I was also sitting next to a very nice gentleman from Germany who happened to be covering the game. So like, I've got Spanish stuff like down the, the aisle basically from me. And I have a nice gentleman from Germany who also was talking to me about these. Still like, Oh man, like the chargers and they've got all these Cowboys fans here. Is it normally like this? Is it like this with the Rams? <laughs> I'm like, heck yeah, man. When there's a big fan base coming in, it gets invaded by the other team. And then we've got this and like, I mean, it was my it was so bizarre. Every time something good would happen, it's just yelling straight yelling. And it reverberates throughout the press box. It was one of the most weird experiences I have ever had covering a football game. But yeah, that was. And this is
4: this is not this is not a criticism of the Spanish language call
2: in any way shape or form
0: and yeah they were doing their jobs and they were fantastic and i don't speak spanish but like they were into the game they were enthusiastic they were really really good at what they were doing it's just that their job conflicts with everybody else's job with where they were and i don't understand why in this state-of-the-art palatial building that is sofi stadium why there is not a place for the Spanish radio call to go that is not inside the writer's area of the press box. I mean, I've covered dozens or, or so, maybe a dozen, let's call it, games at that stadium, including the 2021 NFC Championship game. And I'm pretty sure 49ers have a Spanish-language broadcast, and it certainly was not in the press box. So I, I just, the whole logistics of that really
4: confused me and at the risk of sounding like the baseball purist writers crowd that had their their nose out of joint last week because god forbid oh, yeah. somebody reported something they actually heard in the clubhouse this is different and i'm in a press box once per year for the super bowl if that yes. sometimes sometimes the request for my credential doesn't go through and Uh and sometimes we have to do a little hustling as we did at SoFi Stadium for Super Bowl 56 but I digress Mm -hmm. it is a quiet not library type setting but it is different from being on the other side of the glass that separates the writers covering the game from the fans and it's no different than the coach's booth that we see shots of throughout the game. It is a working environment. Writers are there to watch the game, study the game, chart the plays, look for the angles and the issues that they're going to pursue in the locker room after the game. It is an office. It is not a fan area. It is not a TV studio. It is not a radio studio. And the idea that at this state-of-the-art stadium, Stan Kroenke's $6 billion pride and joy, they don't have a spot for the Cowboys to have a radio crew. And it doesn't matter whether it's Spanish, English, German, French, whatever. The fact that you have people calling the game in a way that – is biased in favor of the Cowboys because that's the way these things go. That violates yes. the most basic rule of any press box. No cheering in sure the press is. box. The mere act of calling the game when you are employed by one of the teams involves the homerish aspect of reacting in a very over-the-top way. That's how it works. It would be like having Paul Allen and Pete Bursich in the press box calling a Vikings 100%. game. It's yes. the same thing. It goes completely yes. against what the whole press box vibe is about. People used to complain about Bill Polian sitting in the press box, rooting for the Cowboys and complaining, or Colts, excuse me, and complaining about bad calls. And it's complete and total breach of press box etiquette. This is a thousand times worse. I don't get it. And I don't know whether it was because ESPN had an alternate feed last night because they had a Spanish language broadcast because it's Hispanic heritage month. And they had an ESPN two feed with the alternate. That's what I thought it was at first. It's like, what's maybe, going on here? Maybe, maybe they got bumped. Maybe they got bumped yeah. by that. And so instead of just saying, sorry, cowboys, <laughs> you got, sorry, just put them out in the crowd. I don't know. It would have worked better if they were out in the crowd for yeah. crying out loud, maybe not for them, yeah, but for the people in the press box, I just, it oh. to me. And, and of course, The average fan is going to say, oh, uh, uh, you know, uh, do your job. But no, think about trying to do your job wherever your job is. When you have that kind of a distraction for the entire time, you're trying to do your job. It's not part of the job of covering any sporting event with a credential in a press box because it's supposed to be quiet enough that you can do your job. Anyway, people are going to be upset that we're complaining about it, but it's. I wasn't even there and I'm thinking this is just this just doesn't fit. It doesn't fit. It's like having somebody working a jackhammer in a press box. I mean it just doesn't it kind fit. Of was. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it was it like I said it it was weird. It was an odd experience. I've I've never done anything like that. And like like to be clear, and you already said this like it's not a criticism of those gentlemen who were doing a great job. Right of their job, right? The, the one, I don't speak Spanish, but the one thing I did get was, donde esta Waldo? It's C.D. Lamb. Like, I got that. Yeah, where's Waldo, Oh, that's baby? funny.
4: That's funny. Yeah, yeah, that's good. C.D.
0: Lamb. He, good. He's always open. He is just like Jamar Chase, man. Always effing open.
4: I took three years of Spanish in high school. Okay. And I don't remember nearly as much as I should. So, But I do know, donde esta <laughs> I do know that. ¿Dónde está uh, la biblioteca? I do know yeah, that. Uh, um, it's,
0: been, it's been a little while since uh, you took the Spanish, man, so I can
4: understand why. Yeah, it's been a while. Leave I know, your brain. 40 years. 41. Yeah, there you go. 41 years. Uh-huh. Three years of it, though. Uh-huh. Okay. okay. Uh, you said something else earlier that I wanted. Oh, first of all, I should mention that Miles is here today because I'm trying to think of Chris is sick in Spanish and see, gone. 40 years ago, I might have known. I might have known how to say Chris was praying to the porcelain God yesterday. But Chris apparently had a bad hamburger on the floor of LaGuardia. Chris, I hope it's food poisoning. I hope it's not a bug. Because if he got me sick twice in a three-week span, Uh I am not going to be happy. I Uh hope it's food poisoning. I hope he got a bad piece of beef somewhere or something along those lines. But he was violently ill yesterday, so I'm told, Miles doing great double duty you're at sofi stadium just hours ago for the game and what is it like a five-hour drive home to go two (laughs) miles is that what it is in la
0: (laughs) no you know what mike it's it's really 20 to 25 from where i am in santa monica to inglewood no traffic so after the game that's pretty much what it is i Listened to my map when I shouldn't have and then I was on a street that actually had a lane closure so it took longer than it should have for me to get home but you know it is what it is I was probably in bed and asleep by the time I normally would have been anyway if I had just been here watching the game
4: instead of you know at the stadium well uh, one of the two coaches said that it was a what what how, how did how did Brandon Staley put it? A hard-fought game between two good teams, and it made me think: Was there a second game on last night? That that was it? Another one of those ESPN simultaneous broadcasts, and he was actually watching that. That would explain some things, frankly. I don't want to; it's too easy to bash on Brandon Staley, but uh, I I but don't think it was it a anyway? great game. <laughs> anyway? I don't mean to; it just kind of happens. I don't mean to say a lot of the things I say; they just kind of come out of my mouth. As I get closer regen. to 60, I can't wait to use that, you know, I just don't have a filter anymore. Sorry, I just say what's on my mind. I say what comes <laughs> out. I mean, it works for 78-year-old politicians. It'll work for me. So, uh, anyway, but um, psh, off we go. Tuesday edition of PFT Live. Peacock, Sirius XM 85, Sky Sports NFL, and wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, Good morning or good afternoon or good evening, depending upon when you're taking in the program. The Cowboys beat the Chargers 20-17. to It really felt like it was going to be a barn burner at first because it's like, oh, Chargers score. Oh, Cowboys score 7-7. This is going to be great. This is going to be one of my, you know, I love 35-31, 31-28, 34-31. I like high scoring, relatively speaking. The scoring has not really been all that high lately across the NFL. So after 14 early points scored, 37 total for the game, it got exciting. It did it got i mean the 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 paid actor that they had in the suite for the chargers was really hamming it up and and i miles this is one of the things you miss by not going to the game and I, we'll get to the football game at some Holy point smokes. but my god this was the most entertaining fan reaction i've ever seen and that was just part of it they showed her oh oh, no 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 sad fan they're doing a lot of this she was and before before her celebration and of course i'll have what she's having but before the (laughs) celebration they had her that's the one up top she was so anxious and it really didn't completely fit the moment and my son who i have not trained to be as cynical and mistrusting as i am He just kind of is that way. He's ahead of the curve on me because we're watching the game down in the barn last night and he's saying, she's an actor. That's not real. Why do you believe that? And it's like, (laughs) damn, damn boy. The business is going to be in good hands. One of these days, nobody can say no, nobody can say you didn't earn it because you're coming to the table with the same level of, they're all full of crap that I am. But you know what? When you watch the one play that again, the one up top, was right before they were getting ready to go for or something. Something big was going on before they scored the touchdown, and ooh. it really did seem a little excessive. Like it oh, really yeah. is like we need you to act like you're really, really anxious. Ooh, like you're really waiting. Like something. Ooh, something big. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's good. Where did I you, where really did do our for the team go? that. <laughs> that's true. Uh, I don't. Yeah. Maybe whoever cleaned Jerry this... Jones that one night was cleaning them for her. But, yeah, she was so excited she threw her glasses. Ooh. It's like a hat trick. She threw her glasses out onto the field. But, you know, it was great. It was memorable. But, I mean, let's be realistic. Is there any Chargers fan in the world that would ever act that way? Do, how many fans actually act that way that are older dude, than 10? I just, dude, you know, I, I just – so – my son is usually the it's the dad. in
0: the first 15 minutes of the show, man. My goodness. I mean, it was 10 to one, probably Cowboys fans to charge. At least when I was walking in the building, that's what it seemed like. But man, I mean,
4: they got the Chargers. Have fans. They're both using they, the they silent the count. They're both using, yeah. but they're both using the silent count. I asked you about that because, you know, you can tell when they're doing the silent yeah. count because one of the guards will do that, that point right before the snap. And both teams yes, were doing it. Kind of like, it's like, why are the yeah. Cowboys doing it? I thought they took the place over, Miles. They, they did, but
0: I mean, it's still, when you have enough fans, and Southwest Stadium is pretty loud, generally. I, when you have enough fans of either team, like, they will make noise. And there were Cowboys fans who were also making noise when they should not have been making noise, probably on, like, third down you know, I mean, every time the team was on offense, because, you know, they'd say over the PA system, it's third down. And so people start making noise when it, the Chargers, the home team, are on defense. And so, like, that's why the Cowboys also had to use the silent count, because it's inherently a loud environment anyway. But, yeah, the, the 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 Chargers also had to, I mean, it was very, very clear, like I said, just walking into the stadium, that that was going to be a Cowboys takeover. And that's what usually happens when the Cowboys plays in play in L.A.
4: And one last thought on that fan they paid to act really excited. She reminded me of Toby from one of the classic Seinfeld episodes. And we like making as many oh, okay. Seinfeld references as we can as on our PFT writer's thread just to confuse Miles. Because although Miles has never seen it or not seen much of it, he's learning about it one reference at a time. Okay. So the Cowboys win 20-17. to 17. They hold off the Chargers with the Stefan Gilmore interception that we saw. Cowboys' defense leads the NFL with 89 quarterback pressures. And, you know, we didn't see Michael Parsons take the game over all night long, but there were moments where, oh, my God, like shot out of a cannon. there was one sack near the end where he just was just – I mean, you blink your eyes, and he was there on top of Justin Herbert. Cowboys are now 10-1 and one after a loss. There it is. Just boom. That was right before mm-hmm. or close to the uh, – I think right before the interception, no, right? right? It. Yep. There's the yep. interception. Yep. Yep. Play it was, yeah, it was the play right before. So, uh, Cowboys ten and one after a loss over the past three seasons. They know how to turn it around, and uh, they, they, you know, they did. And you know, for a while, it felt like, hey, maybe the Chargers can pull this one off. It would have been huge for the Chargers to to beat the Cowboys on a night like that when they're the home team, but they're not really the home team, and they're coming off uh, were they coming off of their bye? Were they coming off of their yes. bye? Yes, they they were coming off of their buy. I'm thinking, yes, they're coming off of their buy, but then you know, the Justin Herbert finger was still so messed up, and he called it but a flesh wound, tis but a scratch right after it happened. You could tell that finger. Yeah, yeah, yes, Monty Python. You you could tell that finger is messed up. I mean, you could just tell by looking at the glove. Something's going on with that finger, and he he, fell one time. He fell one time and, like, specifically twisted his hand to keep it from hitting the ground. Like, that thing's messed up.
0: He, he barely took any snaps from under center. I mean, I don't know how much you guys noticed, but like it was a lot of pistol when they probably would have pre- preferred maybe or in their usual, I don't know, cadence or whatever, if you want to call it that, to have... your your quarterback under center, but he's not really taking many under center snaps. There were only a handful of snaps that he took under center, including that fourth and inches play um, that ended up being incomplete to Joshua Palmer. But other than that, it was either shotgun or it was pistol for Justin Herbert. And I think that had a lot to do with him and that, uh, that, that middle finger on his non-throwing hand, just not exactly being correct.
4: Well, and you know, they, they had uh, what another, what another fourth down? You know, every game a fourth down that they go for and they don't get yes. it. They had the fourth and short inside the ten, mm-hmm. and you can't run it there when your quarterback's got a completely jacked up middle finger on his non-throwing hand. Well, you if he's not number one, he's not going to run it. Number two, he's not going to hand it off if he's not taking the snaps under center. So we knew what was going to happen. They didn't even bother. Why well, even bother with the play fake? And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a great defense. Maybe should have gotten rid of it a little faster. I don't know. You know, I don't want, I like Justin Herbert, but I keep, I keep waiting for him to do what he did that night against the Raiders in the final game of the regular season. Remember that? Remember that performance that night? I keep waiting for that guy to, I keep waiting for that guy to show up on a more regular basis. And he's an incredible player and he's got the big contract and they have faith in him. And he's the guy they're trying to build around. But I keep waiting for that guy to come back. And Mm -hmm. I don't know, I, maybe he's been back since and I missed it, but I keep waiting for that. And, and I feel like I'm waiting and waiting and waiting for that guy that's going to take over a game. That's going to make things happen, not throw an interception with, you know, game on the line and trying to drive down to get a either game tying field goal or a game winning touchdown. I just, I feel like, I feel like we're waiting a lot. And at what point, at what point do you just leave? Like, you're waiting and you're waiting like you're waiting for the professor to come for class. Like, at what point do you just leave? I feel like we're waiting and waiting for the professor to show up for class with Justin Herbert. Am I wrong?
0: Well, I, I would look at that one. to last night. Am year, I wrong? I know that, that, last night, he, he was not good enough. I mean, he has to be better. And, you know, I mean, there's some Chargers writers saying that he just didn't look himself. And I, I don't know if that is the case or is not the case. But... When you're Justin Herbert and you're getting paid to be the kind of quarterback that he is getting paid to be, then yes, you expect to see him go down the field and score when he has the opportunity to win the games. He's not really done that this year, right? But there have been more instances in the past where he has done it and performed the way that he did in that final game of the regular season. Like he did against the Raiders when that game should have been a tie. And both the Raiders and the Chargers should have made the playoffs, but that's neither here nor there. I mean, I would point to the Titans game last year where he has to roll to his right, make a big third down throw. I think it was to either Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, but that he hit, hit, hits it right down the right sideline. It was one of those beautiful throws and one of those plays that you say, all right, that's the quarterback we want to build around. Last night certainly was not that. Certainly was not there. I think the Cowboys pressure had a lot to do with it. Getting that second down sack from Micah Parsons obviously influenced and affected that third down play because you can't really take a sack there if you're Herbert because you don't want more and more and more time to run off the clock. But at the same time, you, you, you don't want to just throw the ball up into coverage because that's how Stephon Gilmore intercepts it and that also wins the game. So yeah, it was, just, it was a weird game from that standpoint that Justin Herbert was just not looking like an elite quarterback and there were some obvious throws that he had to make
4: and he did look very good against the vikings they do have two wins this year it feels like they should be farther along in his career progression they could be should be could be would be winning more games than they're losing two and three is not good enough and we're getting closer and closer to the point of the schedule where the vultures are going to start circling l.a. Mm -hmm in the form of the coaches who are going to want to be making their pitch to Dean Spanos to take over that team because – and who knows? Who knows what the Chargers are going to do? I thought maybe they would make a change last year. They didn't. This may be the year that it happens because you need an offensive guru to get the most out of Justin Herbert. I was reminded, as you were explaining earlier, a great throw that he had made, something Peter always says about Bill Walsh. Bill Walsh's view was if he can – if a guy can do it once, he can coach yes. him to do it all the time. Yes. And so there's something missing there as it relates to harnessing the best of the best that Justin Herbert can do. And I'm not blaming him. There has to be better coaching, and you have to put him in a better position, and you have to teach him better on how to take full advantage of his incredible size, speed, agility, arm strength, accuracy, everything. And, and I will say this. If – Even if it's your non-throwing hand, if one of your fingers is broken and it's painful and you're conscious of it and you're trying desperately not to get it hit and make it worse, that's going to be a factor in everything you do. Beyond just, I'm not taking snaps under center, it's everywhere you go on top of trying to process. You're also trying to keep that hand, short of putting it behind your back, you're trying to keep that hand from getting hit. And you're, and you're trying not to make it a target by being overly obvious in your efforts to protect your hand. So, you know, it doesn't take much to throw someone off balance when they're trying to do all those different things. You know, I mean, the, the writers last night were distracted by the radio call. A quarterback lives in a blender of distractions that he's trying to process while he's doing that job. You throw on top of it, one of the fingers on my non-throwing hand is broken and bothering me, and I'm trying to keep it from getting worse. That, that's enough to throw everything off miles
0: it, it is but at the same time mike when the quarterback is out there the quarterback's got to make the plays and he's being paid to make the plays right and i think in last night specifically and i don't necessarily want to go like too big picture on it but last night specifically there were plays that justin herbert should have made right there were two open throws to keenan allen one of them we just showed that he should have made. I mean, when Keenan Allen's running down the sideline by himself and your quarterback airmails it, man, that's, that's a huge miss. And that's one that we have seen Justin Herbert consistently make. It's just for whatever reason, last night, that play didn't work. And here we show it again. I mean, look, pump fakes it and <laughs> the defenders out of his shoes. And it's just out of the reach of Keenan Allen. And I don't know exactly why that was the protection actually was all right. On that, it, I don't know if it just was that Herbert's feet weren't where they needed to be because of the constant pressure that he was facing. But at a certain point, you have to have the play from your quarterback that you are paying him to make, right? It, it's not just, oh, this guy's a rookie anymore. He's a young guy, that, that, that. Like we have seen Justin Herbert make these plays consistently before. For whatever reason, last night he didn't do it. And that, I think, at least as it pertains to last night, is a good criticism because that's something that you pay him to do, so you expect him to do it.
4: It's prime time. Everyone's watching. That's the moment that your highly paid franchise quarterback needs to step up and make those plays. And the miss to Keenan Allen, when he didn't have a whole lot of pressure, he had a chance to drive the ball, he just put too much on it. He just put yeah. too much on it. And. When you're talking about, you know, they talk about the windows and how tight they are in the NFL. The the window was wide open there to Keenan Allen. He didn't have to thread a needle. All he had to do was hit the guy who was running open, and that would have been a play that may have, when you string everything else together, after that changed the outcome of the game.
2: Serious allergic reactions may occur. Tremphia may increase your risk of infections and lower your ability to fight them.
4: Okay, it was 10-10 to 10 in the fourth quarter, just as the fourth quarter was starting, and we had a Tony Pollard sighting, and he had a big run that, that led to a go-ahead touchdown by the Dallas Cowboys. If we have that Tony Pollard 60 yards, uh, do we have it? Do we have it? Here there we is. Have it is. Dak Prescott facing some pressure. Rolls to the right. And then he finds Tony Pollard, and off Tony Pollard goes to the races with a big, you know, breaks through. Okay, where? grab, grab, grab. What's with the tackling in the NFL? And I know what it is. They don't practice tackling enough, so there's plenty of players that just don't know how to tackle anymore. Not the way they used to. So that was a great play by Dak to keep it alive, and Tony Pollard for the 60-yard gain that set up. A Brandon Cooks touchdown. There was a Brandon Cooks sighting last night, too. He had a couple of catches, had that touchdown, a couple of catches that were noticed, uh, touchdown to make it 17-10. But uh, they, they, they need they need all their guys to get involved. I just feel like they're struggling to get all their guys involved on
3: a regular basis.
0: Well, Mike, the, the other thing, too, here, is we watched this nice catch by Brandon Cooks that made it 17-10. to I mean, I just feel like they need to scheme more for cd lamb and you know Dak Prescott got talked after the game about you know feeling really good for brandon cooks because he's been such a steady veteran presence and this was a game you know for him where he gets that touchdown had a nice long uh, third down conversion to really big strong hands kind of catch that he had on third and long to keep the chains moving on the final drive that the cowboys had to, to take the 20 to 17 lead but i just feel like When you're CD lamb and you have seven targets, seven catches and 117 yards, right? It's the same sort of thing we were talking about with Jamar chase, where he said, yeah, man, I'm always bleeping open CD lamb in this offense is almost always bleeping open. And the problem though, is I don't think they scheme enough for him to also get open. And sometimes Dak Prescott doesn't look toward him enough and they're playing him in the slot and sometimes that can create some more favorable matchups, but. You're not seeing the Cowboys, I think, scheme for C.D. Lamb enough because he was eating against the coverage last night from the Los Angeles Chargers. I mean, just eating. And when you have that and you look around the league and you see other teams like the Dolphins, and you can't really compare anybody to the Dolphins because they are a supernova, but like how they scheme for Tyreek Hill, right? How Kevin O'Connell will scheme for Justin Jefferson. Sean McVay does it for Cooper Cup. Kyle Shanahan for Brandon Ayu. When you have guys who are elite at the receiver position, you scheme for them to get 10 plus targets. The fact that CD lamb did not have 10 targets in that game to me is a little bit ridiculous. He needs to get 10 plus targets almost every single game, unless they are totally rolling coverage to him. In which case, yeah, let's find Gallup. Let's find Brandon cooks or whatever. But this guy is a receiver who can make the plays for you and he's wearing 88 for the Cowboys for a reason, right? Let's get this guy the damn ball and let him cook because I just feel like they're not doing that enough. You're not playing to the strengths of what your offense is based on what your personnel is. Get 88 the damn ball.
4: And, you know, my hot take that some just despise, so I repeat it as often as I can. I feel like some of these teams are concerned that if they overfeed a receiver, they're going to put him in a position where he wants a lot more money than they ever want to pay him. And when you have owner and GM as the same person who knows he's got enough cap problems as it is, hey, you know what? And there was a comment last week by Jerry Jones, not to that effect, but it's what made me think of it because he disagreed with the idea that they need to get him the ball more. Because if this guy has superstar numbers, what's he gonna want, Miles? He's gonna want superstar, superstar money. money. And yeah. we we've got Dak Prescott with the cap number that's pushing sixty million next year, and he's got us over a barrel and we don't know what to do. Michael Parsons is gonna show up kicking the door down for his contract extension right after the regular season ends, and the window opens for his second contract, and he's gonna be one of the rare guys that's gonna say, I want it now, before the playoffs. I bet he does. So you got those guys that you have to deal with. And if C.D. Lamb has 130 catches this year and 1,500 yards and 17 touchdowns, uh-oh, C.D. Lamb's going to want $30 million per year. So I just can't help but wonder whether or not at some level Mike McCarthy's been told, directly or indirectly, subtly or not subtly, not that Jerry Jones says or does anything with any nuance or subtlety, I just can't help but wonder whether or not that's part of it because either they're dumb or there's a strategy. Anytime anything happens, it's either two explanations, dumb or you did it on purpose. So what are the Cowboys? Are they dumb or are they doing it on purpose? Because it's obvious they need to be making C.D. Lamb, as you said, centerpiece, game plan, scheme, and force teams to double him, force teams to take him away. Then everything else opens up. Then Michael Gallup's getting more than three catches a game. Then Brandon Cooks is doing more than he's been doing. Your second leading receiver isn't a running back which it was last night with six catches from Tony Pollard. So their running game also, you know, when Dak Prescott, anytime your quarterback's your leading rusher, that's not good unless your quarterback's getting 130 yards rushing. So uh, Tony Pollard had 30 yards on 15 attempts last night. Yeah, 30 yards on 15 attempts for a guy that you're paying eight figures to isn't good enough out of your running game. Let's hear from Dak talking about getting both C.D. Lamb and Brandon Cooks more involved last night.
5: Yeah, I mean that, that's that was part of the plan. Uh, you talk about what was part of the plan going into this game, uh, knowing that we'd get some matchups with those guys, understanding how they were going to play. CD Cloud his side, when they were going to, um, giving Cooks outside some one on ones, and we took advantage of them. Cooks did a great job. Uh, and tonight was a tonight was due. Tonight was it, it was due up, and just uh, the player that he's been, the person that he's been, everything that he brings to this team. Uh, getting the touchdown, big third down catches, plays that he made all over the field, and. Uh, he was due for a night like this. Happy for him, and uh, it'll only it'll only grow from here. And that's
4: the question. They got to take this, and they got to build on it. And really, the vibe can change so quick. It's why you don't get desperate. It's why you don't give up after a horrible night like they had in Santa Clara nine days ago. Because, the, as I said earlier, 49ers lost, Eagles lost, Cowboys win. All of a sudden, everything's different, and you feel like, hey. Maybe we can be hopeful instead of hopeless again, but they just got to keep. They got to keep building, as you said. They got to get the ball to C. D. Lamb. They got to diversify the offense a little bit more, and they just got to get more rhythm. They just got to get more. It just it can't feel like the offense just kind of falls flat, and you're just waiting and waiting for something, and it just kind of plods along, and then it sparks. You, you need to have more. It's just got to be better start to finish. They got to get more than 20 points a game. They can't count on the defense to hold the team in the teens. Last night, the defense did. You just can't assume that's going to happen. You got to be shooting for 30 a week, not 20.
0: Well, I mean, you had a game last night where there were penalties pre-snap, and I I didn't look and count, but my God, there must have been upwards of 10 total pre-snap penalties between both teams. And I'm sitting there in the press box thinking, I would absolutely lose my bleeping mind if I'm one of these coaches and we have a legal shift, offsides lined up in the neutral zone. I mean, all these things that you can control, you're not doing right. So it was a weird kind of clunky game. And Mike McCarthy described it like that after in his own press conference. But I'm just thinking, man, like you can't have the pre-snap penalties, and then along with all the other blunders that you have. And certainly that muff punt was a huge blunder in the game. And it's really, I think the only reason why the Chargers were still in it in the fourth quarter. I mean, because at that point the Cowboys look like they were really in control of the game, but you can't keep doing those things and expect to beat the teams that are actually really, really good in this league. I mean, we saw it, you know, in week five, as the Cowboys went up Santa Clara and they got blasted. Uh, if you do those kinds of things it, after the buy for the Cowboys, which is now this coming week, then you're not going to beat the elite teams, not only in the conference, but in the entire national football Because they still got AFC opponents left. So I just, I don't think that the Cowboys right now are disciplined enough to be able to be cons uh, to, to be able to consider them as one of the elite teams in the league. I I, I don't. Not the way that they're playing right now.
4: Well, and you mentioned the, the blunder on the punt last night that gave the Chargers the opportunity to tie the game at 17. That was a great job by Jasir Taylor, who did the same thing last year on a Monday night in overtime, where you, as the gunner on the punt coverage, block and shove... The guy who's trying to block you into the returner causing a muff. And even when the returner calls for the fair catch, if that blocker too close, it's fair game to shove the blocker into the returner in the midst of the fair catch. And then it becomes a guessing game of who touched it. See, the Cowboys had to assume that one of them touched it. That's what caused... The scram, uh, uh, the, the scramble, scramble—that's the word I'm looking for to go get it. Because yes. for all for all we know, it did touch one of the Cowboys. So I got to go get it, and unfortunately, right. just by a hair. If the Chargers player touches it first, it's down yes. there, Cowboys ball. Even if a Cowboys player touches it, but because the Cowboys player touches it, and it was a great challenge by the Chargers, because nice. the Cowboys player touched it first. It's Chargers ball and they they tie the game up. But that's all because Jasir Taylor threw his guy into the returner, did the same thing against the Broncos last year to help the Chargers win the game in overtime.
0: Yeah, it was that was also a Monday night game that I attended uh, last year, actually, for the Chargers and the Broncos. Boy, that was that was a depressing night for Russell Wilson, as I recall it, in my brain watching that press conference. But I think the weird thing about that play is it's kind of one of those things that happens, you know, and you really want to assign blame when there's a blunder like that, but you kind of can't because the only thing that would have made it a little bit different, I think is if you get the poison call initially from the Cowboys, right? Your returner, if it's out of reach and you can't field it, that's what's supposed to happen. You call poison, 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 and then whatever, you know, everybody knows that you're not supposed to touch it, but that's a miscommunication because if you get shut your your if you get blocked into you you know the the player that's on your own team and then the ball bounces and then you don't know if it hits somebody or not and then everybody's trying to mad dash for it and you as a Cowboys player are thinking oh my gosh they're all going after it well I need to go after it too it's hard to fault a guy for trying to save your team from a turnover. And it just so happens that he doesn't because he does not touch the ball first. It that's, it's one of those things that happens. And it's unfortunate that the chargers also scored off of that, but the Cowboys were still able to win. So it wasn't a total death knell, but yeah, I mean, that's, it's an unfortunate play, but it's a good play by the Chargers special teams for sure, because it, it allowed them to tie the game at that point.
4: There's something about it that seems like you shouldn't be allowed to do it. Because once you call the fair catch, that's it. But your blockers have to have the presence of mind to stay the hell away from where the returner might be. And that punt return play, like of all the things in the NFL that feel controllable and finely tuned and you can practice it, practice it, practice it, that whole punt return operation, nobody knows where the ball is going to be. The punt returner's got to try to catch it while – keeping an eye on everything that's happening around him. The blockers have to have spatial awareness of what's happening around them. And it's all occurring very, very quickly. And as we saw last night, it's an opportunity for the Chargers to get the ball, tie the game, and then uh, not ultimately win it. But at least that was something that they can hang their hat on and say, well, at least that went well last night, even though it doesn't show up in the win column. The Cowboys needed that win. Let's hear from Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott. On whether or not last night's game was the so-called must-win for Dallas. You said it's a
1: big win. Was it a must-win though? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was a must-win. Why? I mean, it's early. No, in the
5: season. I mean, it was, yeah, early in the season. But three and three, four and two, or three and three, those—it's a, a huge difference. Uh, yeah, it, it just is. I mean, yeah, like I give you exactly what you're saying. It's early in the season. I've been in the. Three and five season that we turned it around and, and went on a win streak and won the division. So I, I get what you're saying, but four and two, second 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 road win of the year um, against a great team, against a great offense, good defense, great defense. Uh, going into the bye week, yeah, I mean, we, we talked about after last week not, not allowing this thing to landslide. And obviously, I think a win like this allows you to really close that book. Obviously, we closed that book. When, throughout this week, preparing for this game, moving on, not just talking about it, but being about it, practicing that right way, preparing the right way to do that. Uh, but when you get this win like we did, you, you definitely can move on. Now we'll move move—we'll move forward from this one. Go watch it, get better, critique it hard, uh, see how we can get better from this game even on a win. And then, as I said, enjoy the bye week. Get healthy, enjoy the bye week, and, and then stack after that.
4: Yeah, I like that he's being candid about it. A lot of times you'll get the cliches and – Every win's a must win. Every game's equally important. We're just trying to win one game after another. We're just trying to make a play, yada, yada, yada. Three and three versus four and two going into your bye is gigantic. And yeah. your opportunity to stay or to get back to one game behind the Eagles, your opportunity to be a game behind the 49ers, keep pace with the Lions. We don't know how the playoff tree is going to shake out. The Cowboys could still win the division, the Cowboys could still end up with one more win than the 49ers and and make that tiebreaker from the ass kicking they took irrelevant so Mm -hmm. it's critical if if you're thinking about making the playoffs once you get around five losses five six losses I still don't quite know which one is red alert with 17 games five losses was red alert with 16 games yeah. Let's say six losses, red alert for Well, they would have been halfway to red alert to just make the playoffs. But when you're thinking about trying to win divisions, trying to be the one seed, trying to force people to come to you in the postseason, three is red alert. Yes. three is getting to the point where you know what? Okay, maybe we'll make the playoffs. Maybe we'll win the division and have to, you know, host the five seed right out of the gates. But you know, we're not going to get the table set for us the way we need it. You get to three losses before the middle of October or at the middle of October, as we now are, sort of, 17th of October. As we're there, three losses means, yeah, forget about being the one seed. It's going to be very difficult to be the one seed. So that's why they needed to go to 4-2, and to keep their dreams of winning the division and forcing the road to Las Vegas through Dallas. That's why they needed that one.
0: Yeah, and and Prescott said this too during his presser. He's basically said, now I can enjoy the bye week. You know, because if you do lose that game to the Los Angeles Chargers and you got to fly home in the middle of the night and you wake up and you're, you're getting off the plane, you're like, man, we are three and three, and I got to stew over this for an entire week before the Rams come and play us. Like, that's not something that you want to do. So getting to four and two, and yes, the Eagles lost, the 49ers lost, and McCarthy and Prescott were also asked about that. And it's like, yeah, you know. It's not bad, but at the same time, we have to get our own stuff right. So I think that yeah, it was huge to get that win. And like, but Mike, I mean, all games are must win in football. Like there are only seventeen of them. I you know when I was in high school our what our captains always used to go up in school assembly and you know he'd say oh we're playing i don't know fairport harbor this friday and we really need your support and it's our biggest game of the year so you know we really need you to be out there and then the next week hey we're playing beachwood it's our biggest game of the year and everybody's like why are you saying this like because every game is our biggest game of the year You know, when we were in high school, there's only 10. Like, now there's only 17. Like, every game is a must-win. I understand what Dak is saying, though. Yeah, you want to enjoy the bye week, and you need to get to four wins, and you you don't want to get to three losses this early. But in football, every game is a must-win, and that's part of what makes football beautiful, at least in my opinion.
4: And really, when you're talking about only 17 games, there's only so many opportunities. That was another conversation my son and I were having last night where we watched the game. The idea of... Coaches, offensive coordinators, like we were talking about Ken Dorsey, how there was a drop from Brian Dayball to him because it was the whole philosophy of hiring an offensive head coach instead of a defensive head coach because if you hire a defensive head coach and the offense plays well, the offensive coordinator gets hired by somebody else as a head coach, and then you got to find somebody else, and then there's a learning curve, and you think about Ken Dorsey's learning curve. You're talking about 17 games in one year, one day a week, and it's all happening And you got to process and you got to learn and you got to learn from your mistakes. Well, if you make too many mistakes, you're not going to get a chance to keep learning. And it's just there aren't many chances. And you're right. Every game is a must win. You want to turn every one of those into a W instead of an L at every level of football, but especially at the NFL level, because uh, at the end of the day, when it's time to look at the standings after week 18, how many seasons Fortunes are turned by, man, if we just would have won that one game that we lost. How different. We, you yeah. know, we'd be in the playoffs or we'd be the two seed. We'd be the division champ. We'd have the bye. Whatever. Before the game started, we haven't talked about this. Before uh, the game started, and what we saw it in Cleveland on Sunday when, when your Browns got all lathered up and it worked as they beat the 49ers. Last night, a little scuffle before the game between the Cowboys and the Chargers. I assume we've got a little video of what was going on. I guess what was happening, Miles, was it the one team was warming up too close to the other team's entrance to the field? Is that what it was that sparked this
0: melee? It it was weird because the the Chargers' sideline is on the other side of the field, right? So the Cowboys were coming out to warm up, and then you've got these Chargers. I think it was their defensive backs on the side of the field, as you can see where the Cowboys are running through. And so effectively the Cowboys are like running through a drill. But it's like, well, why are you there when your sideline is on the other side and that's the Cowboys sideline. So I guess the Chargers took exception to something. The Cowboys took exception to something. And now all of a sudden you got two people pushing and uh, you get an open hand, a little thing right there from Dante Fowler. On uh, Austin Eckler. So yeah, that was a little interesting uh, pregame and nothing really came of it. But yeah, I thought it was just an odd situation where you've got one team that is trying to come out to warm up. You got another team that's already on the field warming up. And for whatever reason, the Chargers just warm up there when I guess they could warm up somewhere else. But I don't know. It's just the, w- the way that it was configured so that the Cowboys were getting onto the field was in such a way that they went right through the Chargers there.
4: My first thought when I saw the helmet flying around was, good thing it's not a Rams game. Because we know what Aaron <laughs> Donald would do with that loose helmet. <laughs> second of all... Well, Dante <laughs> Fowler played second, with Aaron sorry. Donald
0: for a period of time, so I don't yeah. know. You know. Maybe
4: he got some tips. Uh, second of all... Second of all, the NFL is notoriously reactive, not proactive. And what's going to happen now after the fight in Cleveland, last night's fight, there's going to be memos, there's going to be emails, there's going to be tithing, and they're going to reiterate rules that are already on the books for what should or shouldn't happen before the game because it's been an issue in the past. And when it happens, red alert, let's do something about it. Thou shalt comply or you'll be ejected all that 's going to get dusted off they 're going to pick it up they 're going to they 're going to blow the dust off of it because because one of the one of the writers made the point on the text thread last night Fowler could have and maybe should have been ejected for that. How is that different from doing it in a game punching somebody in the face unless of course the video wasn 't one hundred percent clear because that was the problem that night that Trent Williams punched the guy in the face and he didn 't get ejected but I guarantee you one of the NFL spokesmen masquerading as reporters who work for NFL network will have the memo conveniently convenient. They'll be going through the dumpster at 345 park Avenue and they'll find it in the dumpster. Uh, The memo that is that is reminding all teams of what the rules are and reminding all officials of what the rules are about teams fighting before the game and what the consequences will be going forward. But implicit in that is, what they should have been for last night because they're just kind of letting it happen. And I guarantee you, Miles, the reaction is going to be a memo from 345 Park Avenue today, tomorrow, or no later than Thursday before week seven begins, laying down the law that was already laid down. They just kind of forgotten about it.
0: Well, I I think, you know, there, there there are certain differences in the instances, if we want to call it that, right? Like between Cleveland and San Francisco, it didn't seem like anything really escalated to the point where it was like a fight fight like that last night was almost more like a training camp fight where it's like, Hey, why are these two teams really doing this? Especially at a time where we are trying to get better or at like last night you're, you're trying to warm up and yeah, like tensions are high at that point. So that's why I just, I didn't really get why you're like running through a drill when you're trying to get out onto the field, like that, the, the setup didn't make sense to me. And I don't know if it was just because of the way things are situated at SoFi or, you know, there obviously was the big ESPN set. So maybe usually teams come in from that way, but they didn't come in from the opposite end of the same. I, I don't really know what the hell it
4: was, but it just, the whole Boy, thing I'll tell you was what. weird. Stan Kroenke may want to get a refund from whoever designed that place between not having the extra well, booth. That's, for the radio call to not having the proper space on the floor, so I'm telling you, six billion dollars doesn't fly char- what it used hey, to. Man, this was, apparently, this was a
0: Chargers game. This was not a Rams game. So Stan Kroenke did not have to do with the operation of what the game was last night. Okay, that's on you know, the, the other- Chargers and their group. Let's let's just be clear. The, the, okay, I mean, it, I don't and I don't know exactly what went wrong, but like, it's just uh, you're you're mentioning names. So let's let's be clear on what these things are.
4: The other the other SoFi Stadium-related talking point that gets my son all pissed off is when I tell him how Stan Kroenke made sure the Raiders weren't the second team in L.A. instead of the Chargers, because if the Raiders had come back to L.A., they would own that market, and the Rams would be – an asterisk at best in L.A., even with a Super Bowl win. So they wanted to keep the Raiders out, but they wanted the Chargers there, and last night was the Chargers configuration. You said something earlier, and I almost threw to break on this point because it fits so perfectly. You were talking okay. about high school coach urging the team to win, and that oh. dovetails with – Uh, isn't that what you were saying? Am I wrong? Uh, It it wasn't a coach. It was, it was one of the captains
0: that was doing something. Okay. One of the captains. All right. That's fine. Okay.
4: I wasn't listening. I wasn't listening because I was thinking this is just perfect for what I want to set up. Why didn't you just go with me Then Let's just assume it was the coach. And, and here's where I'm going. I, I, your honor, I am going somewhere with this. So I tweet before the show on the days that I remember to do so (laughs) that the show is beginning. And I'll try to think of a relevant gif. And there was no more relevant GIF for today than the GIF of anxious, over-the-top, us go get them Chargers fan. That's the GIF that we used to start it. So I'll check the responses from time to time, such as when I'm not listening to you, to see what Uh people have to say. And, and great pull and Miles this is years before you were born this is the classic film Grease with John Travolta and the late Olivia Newton John this is early in the show this is where the head coach at the pep rally is trying to get the team fired up and that's Blanche the principal secretary played by Dodie Goodman doing the same kind of stuff that we saw last night so maybe that was the inspiration when they hired the actor what's my motivation for this scene she did a research of football games where you want to get yourself excited and, and maybe she found Dodie Goodman from Greece 1978 responding to Sid Caesar playing the head coach of the team getting them right L. They're gonna, they're gonna rip them and they're gonna roll them around and they're gonna rip them to pieces so anyway that amused me okay. I probably didn't amuse Miles but if it amused just one of you out there It will have been worth it. Let me know at florio at profootballtalk.com. If you're as old as I am and you remember watching Dodie Goodman lay the foundation for the reaction we saw last night in Breeze. Let's take a break. When we return, have we seen the last of Anthony Richardson for 2023?
1: That's next year on PFT Live.